Welcome to Questions That Matter. This is a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute, and I'm your host, Randy Newman. And today, my conversation partner is John Hopper with Search Ministries. John, welcome to Questions That Matter. Well, it's great to be with you today, Randy. Uh, I first learned about Search Ministries when I was a young campus minister at Towson State. And uh, I, for the first year, I was pretty much alone on campus with Campus Crusade. Um, and I, I learned very quickly that there were these three guys in town who, if I ever needed a speaker, they were going to be great. Um, Larry Moody, Dave Kruger, Bob Shelley, they were with Search Ministries back when their ministry was headquartered there. And sure enough, these guys were just great at coming in, addressing apologetic questions and uh, answering really, really tough questions that students had. And um, I've just connected well over the many, many years with search and really like them. And I was thinking that I'll bet a whole lot of our listeners with the C.S. Lewis Institute don't know anything about search. I'm really sorry about that. But so um, let, let me let me introduce you to our listeners first. And then, and then John, I'm going to ask you to introduce search to them. Sure, absolutely. Um, but so here's what John has written two books. Um, the first one, uh, I, I really like them a lot, and I really like the title of the, the first one because it's, it's called Questioning God. And so as a guy who wrote a book, Questioning Evangelism, and I'm coming out with another book called Questioning Faith, any book that has the word questioning, is, this has got to be a great book. <laughs> like, what is this book about? Um, but here's the bio or part of the bio of John on the back of the book. John Hopper has discussed questions about God and life with... Muslim clerics in Uzbekistan, Buddhist monks in Canada, slum dwellers in Guatemala, and tennis professionals at Wimbledon. <laughs> Woo, baby, I'm intimidated. Um, now he serves with Search Ministries. Uh, for quite a while, he was the director for the ministry in Houston. Search has expanded. Anyway, I'm doing too much talking. John, tell, tell our listeners what Search Ministries is and how you roll. Yeah, Search Ministries is all about getting on people's turf and, and starting conversations and dialogues with those who uh, don't know Christ, have questions about God, questions about uh, life, the Bible, those kinds of things. So we're always trying to create gatherings and spaces where people can explore Christianity. We call them sort of kick the tires of Christianity. And mm. so we're doing that across the country in different cities. And we're not always the you know, the people out on the billboards where, where you get noticed that way. We're in businesses, we're in country clubs, we're in homes, uh, kind of starting these dialogues and having conversations. So so while, you know, that book says I've had conversations with people in different parts of the world, and most of the time it's right here in the good old U.S. of A. and, uh, um, uh, again, in, in sort of neighborhoods or clubs or or our businesses. So um, it's, you know, and it's such a joy, Randy, as you know, to be able to um, be in conversation with people who are curious or even skeptical and uh, to see how God can work in their lives. Now, back when, when I was in Baltimore, Search did this thing. Um, I'm really sorry. I'm forgetting what you called it, a, a forum, a, a local forum. And people just gathered someone's home. There would be a person there with search ministries. You'd have some food. And it was, does anybody have any questions at all about religion, God, faith? And you would discuss that. 
for one hour. Someone set a timer, and when that thing went off, it's, thanks, we're not going to talk about this anymore. I imagine people stuck around and maybe ate some more food, but do you still do that kind of thing? Is that, is yeah, that your it's, main it's thing? It's still sort of a hallmark of, of search. We, we call them open forums, and uh, just as you said, we gather people in sort of a comfortable, friendly environment, and then we, you know, we set the table. We say, hey, thank you for coming tonight. Uh, you may have not even sort of known exactly what you were coming to, but we're just going to have a conversation tonight about sort of the bigger questions of life. And um, we talk about business, maybe our children, sports, those kinds of things. But often we don't talk about, like, what's the purpose of life or what happens when we die or is there really a God? And um, so we'll talk about those things uh, tonight or today. Uh, but um, we're going to let you choose what we talk about. So whatever you mm. want to talk about, we'll we'll talk about that. And it will only go an hour. And so don't worry about this going on forever. Um, and then usually I'll add, if I'm leading an open forum, I'll, I'll say something like this. You know, as I've looked at some of these deeper questions of life, I've, I've landed in, in the Christian camp. And so somewhere along uh, the way, in the midst of this conversation, I'll share if we're sort of talking about one particular question or topic, I'll give you a five-minute sort of Christian perspective on that question. Mm. And, and that, but I'll also say, but you can just take it or leave it as one idea in the pot of ideas mm. Um, mm. so that people don't think I'm kind of setting it up for this big sermon, but I'm just going to share yeah. something for a few minutes. And, mm -hmm. then, and then I'll, in fact, I usually say my five-minute piece about 40 minutes into the hour <laughs> because oh, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the last word. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, good. I want to, I'll share something like that. And then I'll say, um, uh, so, so what do y'all think of, you know, these thoughts that I just shared and then I'll get feedback and that, that kind of situation, Randy, it just creates space for great dialogue and gets people thinking about things that, you know, they probably had questions about for a long time and they never had space to talk about it. So it, it's really been valuable for me for search in general over the years. Boy, you've touched on, on several things. And, and I, I, I want to follow up with a question of, all right, so what kind of things are you seeing and what kind of things are you observing that people bring to these gatherings? But before there, I want to underline, it does seem to me, I think I think people are hungering for these kinds of conversations mm -hmm. and they don't get a chance to do it. Or if they do, they're afraid that, oh no, this is probably gonna get ugly. It's probably gonna be a shouting match. We're gonna, um, and because so much of our world today is that. It is hmm. so, I mean, the public sphere is so unkind and nasty. And so, so I mean, if it's, if it's unkind and nasty that way about politics and everything else, oh my goodness, about religion, I mean, you know, break out the swords. And um, so I think to be able to say, we want to talk about this, we want to talk about it respectfully, we want to allow back and forth dialogue. And I, I do think people are hungering for talking about some of the deeper things. Are, are you seeing these kinds of trends or? Yeah, I, don't know yeah, I think so as well. I mean, right. Every once in a while you get somebody that is a part of something like that um, and they are just almost offended by it and they don't want to be a part of it anymore. But, mm -hmm. but most people, they really enjoy it. And, and, and their response is, I didn't even know something like this could be done <laughs> or, mm -hmm. or um, 
you know, are you doing more of these or, or uh, um, right, I'd like right. to ask more questions and, and, or I'll take, oftentimes I meet people as a part of those forums and I'll take them to lunch or breakfast at some later date. And, and, uh, you know, they'll bring up things from that conversation. They'll want to talk more. They want to ask more questions. So I, yeah. I do think there is a hunger there that we're not tapping into. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a friend last night and uh, sort of out of nowhere, <laughs> he just told me that uh, the night before or two nights before he went to a, a, a concert of Sting, you know, the, the mm-hmm. rock musician Sting. Uh-huh. And, and first of all, this friend of mine was pretty young. And I thought, young people are going to go hear Sting. He goes, yeah, he's 71. Um, but, um, but what he told me was, I said, so what was that like? I mean, you know, I, I, I like Sting's music. I've led there are a couple of songs I really haven't heard about anything recent and apparently he's still writing a whole bunch of songs mm-hmm. and new stuff and what he said was it was amazing how so many of his songs were very serious and a mm-hmm. whole lot of them were tremendously religious this friend said i'm just kind of wondering if he's a closet christian or whatever i mean huh. at one point introducing one of the songs he even read a, a couple of verses from the bible wow <laughs> like, here's wow. a Here's an episode from Second Samuel about uh, mm. David that you know pointed mm. me towards this idea, and I wrote this song, and like, oh my goodness! Um, wow. But I think I think people are going to concerts or watching shows, uh, streaming shows or whatever. That I mean, okay, yeah, a whole lot of them are inane and silly and just ridiculous, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but a lot of them I think are trying to explore what what is life about, and mm. what, where do you find not not just happiness, but something deeper, something, you know, where do you find mm. meaning and what mm. life's just one big absurd joke. And um, so I think, it, you know, you're connecting with some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are you seeing? <clears throat> yeah, well, again, I do, I do think there's that kind of interest um, um, at all levels um, and really for all ages um, uh, and, sort of all places in life, people have those kinds of questions and that kind of interest. I mean, um, you bring up Sting, and you know, probably the biggest podcast right in terms of audience might be Joe Rogan, right? So, and, uh, and, and, you know, we might look at some of what Joe Rogan has to say and sort of be taken, you know, sort of pushed back by it. But in, in many ways, that, that conversations that he's having, it's aiming for this deeper life, right? This yeah. this greater meaning, and how do we get there? And yeah. and uh, so uh, I do think people are searching, and I think in in some ways, um, you know, it's at our age, Randy, we can say that well, the younger generation doesn't care about those things anymore; they've sort of left God, but. It's the younger, the generation younger that's, that's listening to Joe Rogan, right? They're, they're looking for answers. Yeah. 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 Uh, by the way, I hate to say this to you, John, but it, at our age, we should talk about the younger generations, plural. Mm, that's right. right. There you go. But we don't, we're, we're, we're going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I wonder about, uh, there's something about the, uh, the genre, if I could say, of a podcast. Mm in that Mm. it doesn't have to be a certain length of time. I mean, Mm. most podcasts stick with kind of what their format is. So there's Mm -hmm. some that go for an hour and some for a half an hour Mm -hmm. or whatever. But it's not like the old television shows that had to be 
done in 30 minutes. And the mm-hmm. people who produce them know, well, we really only have whatever it is, 21 minutes, because with the commercials mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so you have to raise an issue, create some tension, and resolve it in 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. On a podcast, well, I don't know, today's podcast might go a little longer than yesterday's or whatever. And people have this expectation that, okay, this isn't, this isn't, doesn't have to be so shallow. And I, I just think that may be conditioning people to, no, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, I love that. I, I also think, I think maybe people's work schedules with working from home or working remote, you might have a little more flexibility. It used to be, okay, if you're, if you're going to meet someone for lunch, you, you had less than an hour because they had to leave their office and meet you. And then they had to be back and, mm-hmm. and, and you knew it, you know, you, you know, so it's like, well, if I'm going to talk right. about Jesus, I better get to this mm-hmm. in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I better wrap it up in you know, like 10 minutes after that, because they're getting up and leaving. So I just yeah, wonder yeah. if there's mm-hmm. sure there's plenty of things that are working against us mm-hmm. in proclaiming the gospel in our world. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, mm-hmm. I think there are some things that are really working in, in our favor, if I can word it that way, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry if that's uh, too yeah. crass. Well, um, I mean, one thing that I would say is working in our favor, which it's sort of a negative, but it, it works <laughs> to our advantage, is I, I think there's just a growing loneliness, actually. So, mm-hmm. um, um, and again, people might be connected with others in new and sort of uh, broader ways because of social media and things, but in terms of actual friendships, people that care about you, know about you, that you have good conversations with, I, I feel like that's fewer. In fact, in the research I've looked at, that's the case, that people have fewer and fewer what they would call good friends. And so it gives us an opportunity, really, to be a good friend to someone yeah. Um, yeah. because yeah. people are looking for that. And so if you can be a good friend— then that's certainly going to create uh, lots of opportunities to be able to share about Christ. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot stronger than that. It, it's uh, I, uh, Some people have used the word epidemic, hmm, uh, the lack right. of friendship and the lack of real conversation, um, mm-hmm. causing tremendous depression and despair and suicide and drug. I mean, it's hmm. uh, there's a bunch of statistics that are truly alarming. So you're right. Yes. Um, and and there's a there's a, a resource and a fuel we have of God has befriended me hmm. uh, because of God's grace because He saved me. Uh, he calls me His child. He calls me uh, His friend. I've been adopted. I I have the greatest friendship, reconciliation, hmm. connection, and so out of that is like. Okay, I could I could befriend this person. I I probably don't have the strength within me, but God can give me that strength, that compassion. Um, people are starving for it, and here's a great. I mean, we we are commanded to go love our neighbor. I think listening and having good conversations may be one of the best ways to do it. Mm-hmm. That's right, and you know, one place that I see that Randy, just sort of this desire for that deeper conversation, is sometimes. I'll go to a uh, a lunch or breakfast with someone for the first time. Maybe I met them sort of casually at some gathering. Sometimes I've even been set up sort of almost like a blind date. So somebody has said, you know, hey, I think you should meet this person. So I, you know, I, I meet with them. And I'll just, we'll just sit down. I'll begin to ask some questions about 
you know, their life, their family, their work, whatever the case might be, just trying to get to know them. And as I listen well to their answers and and even follow up with questions like, oh, that must be difficult, or how did you get to that point? And I show him mm. my interest that way. Yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. stunning to me. It's stunning to me how often about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, the person I'm sitting with will say, you know, I've never really shared this with anyone before, but huh. and I'm thinking to myself, why are they telling me this? Like I've known them for 45 minutes, right? Yeah. And then yeah. they they feel like they can share this or they want to share this, right? So it sort of shows me the hunger, right, for a relationship that people are really looking for people that will listen to them and that will be concerned and interested and curious about them. And yeah. uh, so that creates opportunities for us, for sure, to share about Jesus. We here at the C.S. Lewis Institute are very excited about a new monthly publication we are launching and have launched already uh, and have sent out a few issues. Uh, In the legacy of C.S. Lewis, this new publication, which we're calling Challenging Questions, tackles subjects and issues regarding the Christian faith with a hopefully winsome and thoughtful approach to provide believers with good reasons for their faith and to provide seekers and skeptics with some food for thought. This new publication will be distributed monthly. We hope that you'll uh, share copies of it with uh, friends of yours, neighbors, colleagues, and we would love to receive your feedback on it. go to our website, look for challenging questions. There's also a place where you could send us uh, feedback and comments about it. Maybe you could offer some possible topics you'd like to see us address. So we really hope that this uh, resource helps you as you reach out to people who are posing challenging questions to you. You know, um, uh, I think people who've listened to me on this podcast will have heard me say this before, probably far too many times, but... Uh, I did this research project where I interviewed college students who had be, who had just become Christians within the last two years, and I made sure that that I, I told them we're going to meet for an hour, forty five minutes to an hour. So I wanted them to block out that much time. And after a while, I just started seeing things come out around the thirty five or forty minute mark. It was, I mean, it was almost like I could look at my watch and do the music. Here comes the, oh, I just realized something, or. Oh, I just I just remembered something or, you know, you just said something and that reminded me of and it it takes Mm. that long in a conversation for Mm -hmm. certain things to come to the surface. Uh, By the way, there's there's a lot of recent books being written about conversation. I just Mm. took another one out Mm -hmm. of the library the other day. I'm forgetting the title, Um, but Uh all sorts of people are saying um. And, and these are not Christians. These are social psych- psychologists or even um, uh, technical uh, internet. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Technology researchers. And uh, they're saying that um, we've got to recover conversation mm-hmm. because it is one of the antidotes to that loneliness and alienation that is an epidemic. So um, I think we all should try to develop the skill of becoming a much better listener, hmm. conversationalist. Um, okay, end of end I of think, commercial think, on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and 
and the word that I find myself using a lot, and actually it's 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 showing up in different things that people are writing, is um, this this need for us to be curious. So it, like if we're willing to be curious with people, mm. Mm. Um, that really lends to great conversation. So <laughs> yeah. um, um, just we, just try to find out things about people and and how they think about things and how they make a decision and why they like things the way they like them. And where you just sort of begin to uncover and boy, it doesn't take very much time to really um, get to know somebody and for them to um, uh, enjoy that somebody wants to listen to them. Right. So, uh, so just, yeah, that, just having that mindset point. of curiosity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Nice. But I, I found one thing that's kind of, so, so my daughter's really, I think learned the art of curiosity and she's become really good at asking people questions and sort of drawing them out. So she'll, she'll come, you know, she doesn't live at home anymore and she'll come home and, and, uh, you know, she'll just say, Hey dad, so, so when you were growing up, was it like this? And, and <laughs> dad, do you like that? And how was it when you wrote that book? And she just starts asking me all these questions uh-huh, uh-huh. and I just start talking and I start sharing with her. And it's interesting because oftentimes no one asks me those questions. Mm. So I, I find myself like, oh, this is interesting. I, I kind of like this. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm sharing things. I'm sharing things about my life and my heart, and and uh, and oh, well, this is what I do with other people, right? And, and they're sort of sensing the same thing and feeling sort of heard and and cared about and. Um, that someone's interested in me. And so it's it's kind of fun being on that side of it with my daughter. Nice, nice. Okay, so, all right. So this is painful for me to admit, and maybe I'm the only one, but I think maybe some of our listeners might also fit in here. Sometimes for me, the switch to the curiosity has got to be, uh, okay, I don't have to be the center of this conversation. Hmm. I, yeah. I, I don't, this doesn't have to be all about me. In fact, it doesn't have to be about me. And sometimes I, I have to repent inside my head, praying to God mm. that I, I, I like it when people are focused on me. Mm. And mm-hmm. sometimes I like it a little too much. And so Lord, would you <laughs> set me free? So mm. that's all I want to say about that. And people can yeah. contact and say they'll be praying for me. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about your book, Questioning God. It goes okay. after, uh, this is written, I think, mostly for non-believers. I mean, it's written right. for believers to learn how to answer common questions. But it's right. written to be given to non-believers. And you go after right. all, the, all the standard kind of questions people should or are asking, why should I believe that God exists? Uh, don't Christians use their faith as just an emotional crutch? Uh, why should I trust the Bible? If God is real, why is there so much evil and suffering? Uh, so it's it's sort of like all of the standard questions people are asking. What, what was the angle you wanted to bring to this that you thought, well, maybe, maybe other, I mean, there are several books like this. What what was the angle you were hoping to bring, or, or maybe maybe angle's not the right word, maybe flavor? Mm-hmm. Well, many apologetics books, which you know I've drawn from for many years and are excellent, they really are addressing Christians, like, here, Christian, here's information so that you can have it to answer people's questions. But there's not a lot of apologetic books that are actually addressed to a non-Christian. And, um, and sometimes if they are addressed to a non-Christian or skeptic, 
they're a little like in your face, I'm going to prove this. Mm, and, yeah. and I wanted to bring really a conversational style to nice. questioning God. And, and that's really one of the big uh, you know, responses that I've gotten to the book. It's, 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 a, it's almost like you're talking to us, so, uh, good, um, good. which is great. So there's that conversational style. In fact, if Christians read the book, one of the things I tell them is I say, don't just sort of recognize how I answer questions, like the information I give, the content, but notice the 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 how and the tone that I use. Yeah. So, because um, I think that's right. That's just as important. So, because we can we can give people good information and turn them off at the same time, right? So, um, at at search we talk about that there's there's not just intellectual barriers that people have. They don't have answers to good questions, but they have emotional barriers too that can keep them from from God and considering God. And we can answer people's intellectual questions and at the same time um, build up their intellect or their emotional barrier right? That's right. because yes. we've, yeah. we're sort of in their face with it, right? So, sure. yeah. so, so I think the book, what it accomplishes and what I try, you know, tried to do with it is that it, it provides sort of friendly um, answers that are like, hey, consider this. You know, you might but, think about but, it this way rather mm. than sort of, proving a point. So. Yeah. You know, I, I, I often think uh, there, there was a, there was a heyday for apologetics in America, um, flowing out of the 1960s and seventies and mm-hmm. culturally in the 1960s and seventies, a whole lot of people were yelling. They, mm-hmm. they weren't, they weren't necessarily, um, mm-hmm. uh, mean spirited towards each other, the way things are today, but people stood on street corners and yelled, mm-hmm. Um, mm. protesting the Vietnam War or protesting this. or uh, they were, There was just a whole lot of yelling going on. <laughs> and there was a lot of, I mean, when you say in your face, I think mm. that defines the whole decade. And mm. so apologetics took on that tone. And um, that's not the tone we want. I mean, I, 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 think, it, mm. I think it worked. I think God chose mm. to bless it in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. I think today people are just, they're so tired of that. Like, could... Mm. Could you just say something nicely and then stop? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And let me think about it. Let me chew on it a little bit. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the tone is is really important. And I think you, you really do strike that tone in the book. So that that's mm-hmm. that, that's a success. Um, let's talk about your second book, which is it out yet? Uh-huh. Um, I, I have a... <laughs> advanced reader copy, which yeah. I'm hoping they don't mean that I'm an advanced reader because I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm a yeah. mediocre, middle-level yeah. reader. Um, this, has this well, been released yet? It's called Giving it, Jesus it, Away. Giving Jesus Away. It was released last Friday. So, Oh, man. Um, on September 15th. So it is out on Amazon. So um, Great. So you can get it there. So we're excited about it. So I'm excited. Well, the subtitle, so the title is Giving Jesus Away. The subtitle is Finding Joy in Sharing the Gospel. I have a feeling there's a whole lot of people who say, joy? Really? Wow. Um, um, Here, let me read from the back cover. Uh, um, uh, It says, uh, I'd like to tell others about Jesus, but, and then there's this whole list. I get too nervous. I don't know how to start the conversation. I tried once, but it wasn't well received. And you've got a few more. And then you say, if this sounds like you, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Many Christians want to tell others about Jesus, but don't know how to do so in a friendly and inviting way. What 
Well, give us a little more of a sales pitch. Don't tell us everything about the book because I want people to buy it. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Give us a little more promo of what this is. Mm-hmm. What you're. What you well, I do think do. that people people feel uh, that evangelism is a little bit like going to the dentist, right? Like you should do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh-huh. it's kind of pain, painful to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did subtitle it, you know, finding um, joy in sharing the gospel because um, I find a lot of joy in it. Um, mm, in fact. The, the times that I get most excited coming home to my wife at the end of the day is when I've had good conversations with people. And and really the times that I kind of walk away going, boy, that was terrible. That was um, so uncomfortable. Or I really turned that person off. That, that's a, a small minority of the okay. amount of time. So mm-hmm. so I do find joy in it. I want other people to find find joy as, as well. And a lot of that has to do with... Um, I guess you might say the approach that we come to evangelism. So um, if if the approach is I've got this body of information and mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I tell it to the other person, whether they really want to hear it or not. <laughs> I've got <laughs> to get this. Okay, please don't say anything because I got a feel that I got to make. <laughs> exactly. Then it's, you're probably not going to find a lot of joy in it, and the person you're telling it to is probably not going to be very joyful, right? So, but if it's a part of a conversation, right, then um, I think it it can be a great joy. So the book is about um, um, building friendships with people with non Christians. So a lot good. of people have good. sort of even lost friendships with with unbelievers. Um, then. How do we have conversations that go to sort of more sort of meaningful topics? Um, how do we clearly share the gospel, right? I think sometimes, um, you know, we we kind of think we know it, so we can share it clearly. But if we were to share it to someone, I, I, we, we, pro- we might get them more confused than we actually help them. So so how yeah. can we do that in a real clear way? So um, so the book is is kind of full of of practical advice. Not just from my experience, but you know, search has been around for I think forty six years now, and um, mm. so there's just been a a lot of people that have you know been sharing Jesus that I really drew from uh, for this book. Nice, nice. Um, you know, um, I, I I do think. Well, I here I'm going to think out loud. I might be wrong. Um, so please correct me, but I, I think there was a time when, given the way our society worked, people felt like, okay, I have this one and this only one shot to talk to this person about Jesus. I better give them the whole deal or else or something. Um, we are, we are now so connected with people. Now we're still lonely and we're not having decent conversations, but texting, emails, Facebook, sending people links, sending people, hey, I just saw this short video. What do you think? Um, we can we can present a piece of the, the puzzle and then, well, let's talk about this again sometime and make it a sequence of conversations. Mm. And I think your yeah. approach lends itself for that. Do you, uh, uh, am I just remembering I, something that's too old? No. Are people no. still thinking like, oh, no, I better... I better deliver the whole package right now. Well, I think people, they, they still kind of have that in mind, but they intuitively know it doesn't work. 
right? So, <laughs> okay. so they, so they either, like, okay, I got to do it because I'm supposed to share with somebody and it doesn't really work or they just don't share because they know it won't work that way. So, uh-huh. so I think you're right, Randy, is that we need to think of it more in terms of a series of conversations. So if we do look at sort of days of old and, Hey, I remember when I would go into a shopping mall and I would approach people and sit down with them with a Christian tract and try sharing Jesus with them, right? Total so I remember strangers? those. You walk into a <laughs> so, mall with total. First of all, malls are empty now, so that'd be really hard. That's to right. That's right. That's oh, so right. you're one of those guys. You used to walk so, up to total strangers with a booklet. I, I would even do that. That's right. So, so, um, uh, yeah. But you know what? What I found right is today there are so many missing pieces for people. So before people mm-hmm. may have believed in God, they may have had respect for the Bible. They may have even seen themselves as someone who was, you know, a sinner. They might have even been willing to sort of adopt that term. So they just didn't really understand that it was through faith in Christ that they could be made right with God, right? So so they had a lot of pieces of the puzzle. But in conversations with people today, that's not necessarily the case. They're unsure about God. They think they may have received a lot of misinformation about the Bible in t- yeah. terms of its veracity or reliability, right? So they certainly don't necessarily think of themselves as sinners, right? So, so there's all these pieces. So, so we could, if we even did a gospel presentation, there would be so many things that would have to be explained and sort of, um, uh, sort of, uh, to, to make sure that people are even understanding what we're saying, right? So, yeah, um, so I do think it has to be sort of a series of conversations. So, I think one of the little stories I share in the book along the way is a fellow by the name of Ted that I met. He was an older man, and he's actually passed away now. But uh, um, he, he, I sort of made a friendship with him through helping him after a flood um, that had flooded his house, and and he wanted to take me to lunch, so we went to lunch and. And he learned what I do, and um, and he said, "Well, you know, I've started to read the Bible in the last year." And he's like <laughs> in his eighties, and I said, "Oh, really?" And he said, "Yeah, you know, I, I'm liking what I read mostly, but I I don't really agree with the part that says that we're all sinners." Huh? I mean, he's huh. flat out told me, like, I, I don't think that's true. I'm a good person. Looked, and he began to tell me all the things he's done in his life, and he had done a lot mm-hmm. of good things. Yeah, and so. I explained to him a couple of passages that sort of opened his eyes about, you know, what the Bible calls sin. And 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 he left that conversation where he said, you have given me much to think about. Wow, and, great um, success. And, and really, I didn't press it anymore. Like, like, he needed to process this idea that he was actually someone who was a sinner <laughs> in the eyes of sure. God, that fell short of God. He never really have thought of that before. And so we picked up, we had many lunches and many more conversations, Mm. um, but I didn't feel like I had to like, okay, well now he's kind of beginning to think he might be a sinner. So I got to give him Jesus and I got to get him to, Mm. you know, say the sinner's prayer or whatever thing. So uh, it was a series of conversations and and ultimately we began to see her faith sort of grow up in his life. Oh man. Well, um, you and I could continue this conversation quite a bit. Um, I, I hope we will. Um, but for this podcast, I want to kind of uh, draw things to a close. Any any last thoughts you want? I, our listeners are very serious about their faith. And I, I know enough of them through various things we do with the Institute mm-hmm. that 
they really do want to be able to tell uh, people about the Lord. So any last pep talk nuggets you want to share? Yeah, I think I'll just go back to the comment was made earlier is if you'll just today become a more curious person about right. those around you. And I think if you do that, that it'll begin to open up doorways to conversation. So much easier. Uh, well said, well said. And I'm so grateful for you and Search Ministries. Uh, to our listeners, we're going to put some links um, in the show notes about Search and about John's books. Uh, we hope that they'll be great resources for you. And all of the material on our cslewisinstitute.org website, uh, we hope you'll check out the things there that uh, all of them will help you uh, grow in heart and mind discipleship, that you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Thanks. Thanks.